It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. The Apostle Paul wrote the first letter to the church of Thessalonica sometime between 48 and 55 AD. He was writing to a church that he himself had founded according to Acts chapter 17. There in Thessalonica, as he founded the church, Paul fought against a particularly entrenched group of pagans. However, he experienced a great deal of success working with these people. Now, the town of Thessalonica was located in Macedonia and was a major metropolis. And today it is a seaport of Turkey named Salonica. Now, history tells us after a brief stay in Thessalonica, Paul had to leave abruptly. Now, the church he left behind was mostly made up of pagan converts. They had been left with little external support and Paul was concerned about them. And Paul had an understudy by the name of Timothy who was working in the Thessalonian church after his departure. Now, Timothy sent word back to Paul in a letter, and it seems that Timothy gave a good report. So Paul writes a letter, too, as a matter of fact, and we can deduce from Paul's counsels that they were having a few issues. Paul, in the first portion of the first letter to the Thessalonians, seems to be defending against the idea that he's some religious peddler going from town to town, dazzling the people and making a buck. Yet Paul addresses more than just a personal defense and speaks to the issues of unchastity and neglecting their daily duties for religious gatherings and a lack of hope. He addresses the issue of not living life to its fullest. Now, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about living life to its fullest, the abundant life that Jesus desires for each and every one of us. In fact, in Christianity, people have waited for over 2,000 years for their salvation to finally be complete when Jesus comes again. Now, while Jesus wants us to have an abundant life now on this earth, he desires something bigger, something greater. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what I've said. The full price for our salvation was paid on Calvary. But our salvation and life is not at its fullest potential until Jesus has come in his glory and he takes away the sting of death. He takes away sin. And it is there at that moment that 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that Paul addresses the very issue of experience the ultimate life to its very fullest. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Paul wants the Thessalonians to live a life of hope. In fact, Paul doesn't want the Thessalonians not to understand the true meaning of death and its temporary nature. In the Greek, the text actually reads, in order that you do not grieve to the degree of those who have no basis for hope. Throughout this passage, Paul uses the word sleeping to describe death. It seems apparent that the Thessalonians were struggling as their friends and family were dying. Paul doesn't want them, however, to be ignorant concerning the true meaning of death. Because Paul indicates that our grieving should be different than that of those who have no hope. Actually, more grammatically correct, than those who have no basis for hope. You know, our grieving is to be different. In just a moment, Paul tells us why it should be different, but make no mistake about it, that with this verse, Paul implies that for the Christian, grieving is an appropriate response to death. We can have abundant life even when these things are happening because death is temporary and Jesus is coming soon to restore us to the kingdom. And while we might experience grief, this grieving is made in the context of the basis of our hope and our resurrection prompted by the return of Jesus Christ. Death's sting is only temporary. In fact, in verse 14, Paul states, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, this verse is often a misunderstood verse. Some use this verse to teach that the saints are in heaven and will return with Jesus. However, an in-depth study of the passage reveals that Paul is stating the exact opposite. Now, I have a fear of getting caught up in the details of this verse, but I believe that this passage is key to understanding the rest of it. It is here in this verse that Paul lays before us the basis of our hope, and how to truly experience life to its fullest. The first phrase of the passage gives us the context for understanding the remaining portion. Paul states, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now this statement is not so much a question as it is a statement of fact. And then the next phrase begins with, even so. Most translations use even so, or so, or so also. But the Greek word hutos indicates the idea that this will happen in the same manner or like this. Paul says Jesus died and was resurrected, and in the same manner God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Friends, Jesus died and rose again. Then the verse states, that for the saints, it will happen in the same way. Now, when Jesus died, did he go straight to heaven? No. As a matter of fact, immediately following his resurrection, he did not go straight to heaven. You'll remember that he tells the woman that she cannot touch him, for he has not yet ascended to the Father. 
So it is with that context that we can understand the last portion of this verse as a statement of fact that when people die, they do not go to straight to heaven. In fact, quite literally in the Greek, this is what the passage states. For if we believe that Jesus died and was raised, and in the same way God will lead or bring out by him those who sleep in Jesus. Now that makes a little more sense, doesn't it? This is a promise and not some theological point of contention. Paul is simply stating that Jesus died and rose again. And in the same way, we are assured that just as he did, God will bring forth and raise those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Friends, we can live life to its fullest in the reality that just as surely as Jesus was raised from the dead, we too will be raised if we die before his return. Paul wants to emphasize the fact that death is merely temporary. Death is Satan's ultimate weapon of destruction, but it is only a temporary victory for him. Jesus himself states, do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Death is nothing to fear. It is simply a temporary sleep. For me, there is no better description of the temporary nature of death than that of being illustrated by surgery. And just as any illustration does, it has its limitations, especially for someone who's lost a loved one during surgery. However, for a normal as planned procedure, there is no better illustration of death than going under anesthetic. Now, clinical death is defined as occurring when there is no brain activity on an EEG under the conditions of the person not being too cold or being under the influence of any type of drugs or alcohol. This lack of brain activity would be consistent over the course of a few days. And according to an anesthesiologist that I am personally acquainted with, a sleep dose of induction agent such as sodium pentothal or the more modern drug of diprovan, which is commonly referred to by anesthesiologists as milk of amnesia, has seen to induce a flat line in the EEG for a short period of time. Now, what does that all mean? Going under anesthetic is a perfect illustration for what death will be like. It is temporary. It seems as if you have missed no time at all, although a great deal of time may have passed. It's like a snap of the finger. You're out one minute and you're awake the next. Friends, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we too, who have given our lives to him, are guaranteed a resurrection. We do not have to live in fear of what happens after you die, but we can live in hope and live life to its fullest with the promise of the resurrection. We place our faith and our trust in Jesus. He provides our adoption for us and he provides redemption for us. But Jesus completes our salvation by the guarantee of our resurrection. Friends, no matter how good these three promises are, that leaves some of us out, doesn't it? What about those of us who are alive when Jesus returns? Do we have to die to go to heaven? Well, no. That's why Paul finishes the passage in verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Paul continues to emphasize that which he has already stated. He continues to point out the resurrection of the dead. Yet now he adds the promise of hope to those of us who are alive when Jesus comes. First, Paul points out that we who are alive will not precede those who are sleeping in the Lord. And then secondly, he points out the manner of Jesus' coming. He will descend from heaven. It will be with a shout. It will be accompanied by the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God sounding. Friends, we are focusing on the hope that Paul is talking about, but I would be remiss not to touch on the manner of Jesus' return. Paul leaves no doubt to the fact that Jesus' second coming is not a secretive thing. It is not something that will be hidden from or unknown to people, but rather it will be visible and audible. No one will be unaware of the fact that this is happening. There is no secret rapture here. And then Paul gives a chronological understanding of that second coming. First, the dead in Christ will rise and join Jesus in the air with perfect bodies. Then we who are alive will join them and our bodies will be changed as well. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 points out that very change. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. My friends, we are all changed in that moment and Paul reveals another point of hope. Those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus will not only be changed, but we will spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. The word always is rooted in the Greek word pan, meaning forever, the entirety. We mustn't be fearful, for our salvation is complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will have the ultimate victory, and because our faith and our trust has been placed in him, we will enjoy that victory with him. And it is then that we will truly experience life to its absolute fullest. Jesus said that he desires an abundant life for us. He desires that we experience life to its fullest. That full life is only found in him. Jesus came the first time to break the chains of sin that we might experience life to its fullest on this earth. But he's coming a second time. And that victory will be complete and we will experience the ultimate fulfilled life. Friend, today we can place our faith and trust in him. We can be guaranteed that abundant life. All that Jesus asks is that you come to him, that you give your life to him, Allow him to change you and live life to its fullest. Today, Jesus calls. Will you answer? There in the quietness of your living room or maybe while you're watching on your smartphone or your laptop, wherever you might be, won't you accept his invitation? Won't you accept his invitation? Allow him to come in and transform you 
into his likeness. Friends, the name of that song was, Lord, won't you change my life? You know, Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That is the desire of Jesus' heart, that we would live an abundant life, life to its fullest. That life comes through the change that Jesus brings. You know, Romans chapter 10 gives us the promise in verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise, friend. We call upon the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm helpless. Lord, I don't know where I'm going. Lord, I want abundant life and life to its fullest. 
And the promise of the scriptures is that you will be saved. Jesus will enter your heart and he will transform you from the inside out. And as he transforms us, he prepares us for our citizenship in heaven. And while we enjoy life to its fullest on this earth, he prepares us for the ultimate fulfillment and the ultimate abundant life in heaven. In heaven, where God promises there won't be any more sorrow. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more dying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be peace and harmony. It's almost impossible to grasp because each of us in our life face great challenges, great difficulties, peace and harmony. Try to picture it. No sorrow, no pain. Jesus is calling today. He's calling. He desires to give you life abundantly, life to its fullest. Won't you accept that right now? Won't you make a decision to allow Jesus to come into your life? Won't you cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to experience the abundant life. We want to experience life to its fullest. We know that without you, we are lost. We know that without you, the only life we will experience is a life that will eventually lead to sorrow and pain. But you've prepared a place for us. You've prepared a place that is a place of perfect harmony. So today we come to you we confess our belief in you. And now, Lord, we pray and ask that you would act upon that belief and that you would transform us and that you would save us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, friends, have you ever noticed that getting out of shape and getting into not great health happens quickly, but then returning to health is a slower process? You know, the journey to health is one that takes time, but if we are diligent, we will experience abundant living in our physical health. You know, I've shared with you about my personal journey, how I have a renewed commitment to get back into good health by losing weight and practicing good principles of living. We have gone over some of the eight laws of health. Today, we cover another one of those laws of health, and that is air, fresh air. Fresh air is very important, friends. And now my colleague, Bev Edwards-Haynes will share with you the importance of getting fresh air. Hi, everyone. 
We've been focusing on the new START acronym, that's N-E-W-S-T-A-R-T, and today we're looking at A for air. Oxygen is vital to each of the trillions of cells that make up your body. Are you getting enough good quality air? Let's take the air inventory test that you can find in the wonderful book, Health Power, by Drs. Ludington and Deal. Right now, without changing anything about the way you are sitting or breathing, answer the following questions. First, how are you sitting right now? Is your spine straight or are you slouching? Are your shoulders rolled forward? Next, observe your breathing for a few moments. Is it shallow or deep? Next, do the clothes you are wearing or the chair you are sitting in restrict your breathing? Is the room you're in well ventilated with fresh air or is it closed and stuffy? Have you or will you exercise today? Have you eaten a high fat meal today? A high fat meal reduces your blood's ability to carry oxygen. Also, when was the last time you got up and moved around? Have you taken a break or done some deep breathing during the past couple hours? Your body operates on oxygen. Make sure yours gets enough by exercising, keeping your house well ventilated, and pausing frequently to take slow, deep breaths. If you want additional information on healthy living, visit our It Is Written website at itiswrittencanada.ca, go to the Live Healthy page, and you'll find links to lots of great resources. See you next time. Friends, Jesus came to this earth, and he died for us. He died that we might experience the abundant life, that we might live life to its fullest. Today, I'd like to offer you the DVD set, Life to Its Fullest. This seven-part series will provide resources for you to experience the abundant life that Jesus has in store. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. And thank you for your prayer requests and your generous financial support. That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. The abundant life that Jesus desires for us, that life to its fullest, it can be experienced through giving your life to Jesus. I'd like to invite you to go to our website, itiswrittencanada.ca, and there you'll find resources to help develop your relationship with Jesus that you might experience life to its fullest. I'd also invite you to go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash IIW Canada, and there you can watch archived programs to assist you in learning more about our relationship with Jesus. 
You can also follow us on Twitter or like our Facebook page and get updates about the ministry, where we'll be and where I will be speaking. I hope you enjoyed today's program. I hope it was a blessing to you. I encourage you to watch again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.